This is Hybrid Teaching, Pedagogy, People, Politics, a podcast addressing the intersections of pedagogy and power in our connected and challenging education environment. It's the audio version of the open access collection of the same name, published in February 2021. The book features 27 chapters of provocative texts addressing the intersections of critical pedagogy and digital technology in our present political moment. I'm your host, Chris Friend from Kane University. I introduce your authors and read the occasional chapter. This podcast provides one more avenue for accessing the material from the book, which is also available as an ebook, a print on demand paperback, a series of articles published on the open web, and screen and print ready PDFs available for free on hybrid pedagogy. This is Chapter 7 of Part 2 People, titled From PhD to Poverty, originally published on the 2nd of September 2014 on Hybrid Pedagogy. It was written by Tiffany Kerwan. Another PhD just applied for unemployment. I haven't received any benefits because my claims are under review while the Employment Security Department determines reasonable assurance of reemployment. Per my contract with one college, I work for four institutions. Quote, this memo is not a contract for employment and may be rescinded should the classes be canceled for any other reason. End quote. Standard non-contract language of institutions nationwide and not oblique. There is no reasonable assurance of employment for adjuncts. My personal low and itinerant profession stems from a labor crisis in higher ed that's attracted the attention of unions and Congress, but nonetheless persists and perpetuates a unique poverty that affects the majority of academic laborers. And because we look forward to new email memos from colleges offering non-contractual temporary appointments, we lesson plan, design LMS content, and draft syllabi without pay. These working conditions are disruptive, cyclical, and intentional. It baffles me why, in a higher-ed system that holds political but not ideological power over its workers, we don't object to our labor conditions en masse. There are several strong voices in the argument for adjunct labor reform, but the more widespread false consciousness that accepts, complies with, justifies, and administers exploited labor is shameful. It would be different if higher ed wasn't posing as something it isn't, namely, an institution founded on key phrases such as learning and discovery, access to learning, a climate of mutual respect, openness and reflection, and community and civic engagement. These core values are at odds with the toxic reality. In particular, a climate of mutual respect implies shared governance, voice, and reception for all, but this is not the case. Adjuncts won't get a seat or an iota of mutual respect at the bargaining table without union representation. Of course, murmurs of unionization are met with resistance and censure, and there isn't an internal path of negotiation for intentionally marginalized university workers. Imagine a university where unified faculty teach and write with the dignity and pay our work deserves. Administration prioritizes instruction and essential student support services, and student-centered learning models are progressive, not packaged. Until then, it's time to stop romanticizing a bygone academy and, rather, court new paradigms that are proven, ethical, and sustainable. Higher ed needs radical leaders who realize their role and stake in the crisis, quash cronyism, 
and confront the culture of fear and contempt that hamstring progress. It's not unusual for adjuncts to spiral in a climate designed to exploit and scapegoat, which Coleman McCarthy reiterates, quote, the demeaning of adjuncts is little more than structural economic violence, end quote. Unemployment isn't a choice. It is a national security, quote, from the Office of Research Evaluation and Statistics, designed to provide partial income replacement to regularly employed members of the labor force who become involuntarily unemployed, end quote. For me, going on the dole is a last resort, a demeaning consequence. Even temporary poverty is difficult to bear. It's humiliating and gut-wrenching. That said, this personal crisis has humbled and brined me in reality, and I am determined to fight for my profession, from the margins or beyond, if, with luck and effort, I should get a job outside academe through weekly job searches. It isn't that simple, though. I've been in a vacuum for ten years, teaching toward tenure, yeah, I know, and numb to change because I was employed, however insecurely. I wish I'd bartended in my twenties so I could delete the PhD off my CV, take away the MA, bury the BA under barback experience, and get a job with tips pulling pints and shaking martinis. It sounds nice, doesn't it? But I'm not sure I can wipe the slate or deny experience at my age. In talking to colleagues in similar crises, it's apparent that the slow erosion of the profession has taken a toll, and though there will not be a mass exodus of adjuncts, there are hordes of us who, battered by academe's hard labor mills, contemplate alt-ac careers, and those who break out often reflect on their precarious employment with the fermented retrospect one affords a broken marriage. I'm in this argument to humanize contingency and reify the argument for adjunct labor reform. The narratives shifted. It's time to realize change and fortify higher ed for future generations. Incremental strides are within reach when we work collectively toward a solution with mutual gravitas. It's time to pick up a spade and cultivate a voice and conscience, like in this 2014 exchange between me and Nathaniel C. Oliver. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you for bearing all. I've adjuncted for a decade, and the pain compounds with every narrative I read. This is my story, your friend's story, and so many others. The image of a sardine-packed train with pushers pushing more bodies in the closing doors comes to mind. Will it derail? Will I get on? Should I bother? I have a ticket, though. I don't want to die an adjunct either, and I realize this pathway to poverty is secure. I have a little fight left in me, though, and each act of bravery, such as your post, ignites my passion and purpose to push harder. I'll get on that fucking train and ride it. Thanks for the push. Thank you, Tiffany. I am continually impressed by the determination that people like you have shown in the face of the juggernaut that is adjunctification, and I am just trying to do my part. I understand that the temptation is huge to just give up completely, especially now that I have a young daughter and, like all parents, I want to provide for her the best way that I can. On the other hand, I worry about the world she will inherit. I don't want it to be one where academics are routinely consigned to poverty while others make fortunes off of their labor. Good luck to you, and thanks for not giving up the fight. For Nathaniel, for my children, for my colleagues, I won't give up. I have so little to lose but integrity and you. Remember when we were kids on recess? Some chased, some swang, some played foursquare. It's quite the same now. 
The playground's changed, but we're on the same merry-go-round. Now, as then, I'm against bullying. The bell's calling us out. That was From PhD to Poverty, originally published on the 2nd of September, 2014, on Hybrid Pedagogy, written by Tiffany Kerwan. Tiffany is a training organizer supporting the development and delivery of free, high-quality education for caregivers in Oregon through a trauma-informed lens. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time, you'll hear When One Class is Not Enough by Amanda LaCastro. This serialized audiobook version of Hybrid Teaching, Pedagogy, People, Politics is available wherever you find podcasts. I'm Chris Friend, collection editor, podcast producer, and host. I tweet at Chris underscore Friend and teach at Kane University in Union, New Jersey. The theme music for this project is Where Was I? from Lee Rosevere. That song, as well as the text and audio of Hybrid Teaching, are all licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, which means they can be reused with author acknowledgement. Licenses like these make multimedia works like this simpler to create, and I'm especially grateful to each of the authors for allowing their material to be reused in this format. And I'm also grateful to you. (laughs) Thanks for listening.